Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Fantastic. This is very formal. <laughs> My chair just slipped down. Did yours do the same? I like no, got short. Running, bro. I've been, I've am, I, am I getting really short? <laughs> okay, cool. I know I'm a short Asian guy, so you've got to give me some, some leverage here. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. Like, seriously, um, we ca- caught up for a coffee three weeks ago, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And just hearing Ahmed's heart for what, what kingdom can be um, and what, what he sees Christians doing in the world. Like, he's, you're, you're, you're going to Melbourne writing this whole new Bible college course and all that kind of stuff. Why don't you just share what some of the stuff that you're doing right now with your life so people can kind of understand where you're coming from? Sure. Um, <laughs> firstly, good morning. Good morning. We, we're all well. This is, uh, this is so nice. Like, there's quite a few of my ex-students in this room. And, um, man, this is so good. <laughs> They're still Christians, so that's, hey, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? You did a good job. <laughs> this is not on my doing, I can tell I, you. I don't know about much. Aaron. You know, Aaron's kind of like slipping a look. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Without getting too emotional to start with. It's, um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, this is why we do ministry, eh? Yeah, absolutely. So when I come in and I see you guys and you're, you're serving and you're leading and you just love and Christ with everything that you've got, it's, um, that's why I do what I do. This is awesome. I love it. I love it. So um, what a privilege to be here. It's a really encouragement, Fantastic. eh? Um, I, I want to be careful how I answer um, some of the questions, especially that first one. Um, I, I get a bit uncomfortable talking about stuff that I do because I don't ever want it to come across like, oh, look at me. Yeah, look at me. Um, <laughs> That's, that's not what this is about at all. Um, so please, I guess in everything that I share this morning, just hear my heart. Um, I'm not speaking at you or to you. Uh, I'm here with you. Um, so I may be sitting up the front, but we're all equals in this game, man. Um, the only one that's on a pedestal is Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. And that's where it needs to stay. Um, so, uh, yeah, life for my family and I is a little different this year compared to the regular school routine. Um, yeah, so I guess that long story short, um, I am helping direct a not-for-profit organisation that's based here in Perth, been running for the last six years. Um, and then that's one aspect of what I do. Um, I've got on staff at a Bible college university in Melbourne uh, with what you're sharing, just sort of uh, helping to reimagine and rewrite maybe the way things could be done. Um, too often we find our, I don't want to speak down again, please just hear my heart, Uh, too often our schools and Bible colleges and different institutions are just like a manufacturing line. Uh, And so you get get people that, you know, are leaving school and, you know, want to serve in ministry and so they go to Bible college to, first step is like youth pastor and then eventually they'll work their way up to senior pastor or lead pastor. It's like, who wrote that script? (laughs) I, I don't see that anywhere. So um, what we're wanting to do is really to help people understand that you are gifted uniquely. You are created uniquely. So if you try and be like the mould that someone created in an office somewhere, you're denying the world of what God intended for you. 
So we want to just get back to basics and say, look, so what are your passions? What are your giftings? What has God given you as the assignment for you? Mm. And so how do we make that happen? And we actually want to structure things to allow people to discover what that is mm. and then be released in that. Um, so that's some of the stuff that we're working with the guys in Melbourne on. Um, so that, that program will roll out in Perth next year um, and then it'll be Australia-wide 28 and, and beyond after that, which will be pretty exciting. Mm. Um, running a couple of different businesses, uh, trying to make ends meet for the family. It's been interesting going from a full-time wage down to funding for like half a day a week or whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's all good. And um, so one of the businesses we're running, the cafe that we caught up in, so we own a cafe in South Perth. And uh, the idea behind that is at the end of every month, we see how much money we've made and all our profits fund our not-for-profit work within that other organisation. So we're trying to set up different businesses around the place and not be dependent on people sponsoring us, but actually have businesses that fund our work. So um, it's like, well, you may not want to partner with our work, but we all know you like good coffee and food, so go to our cafe and eat up. Uh, and then when you do that, it's like, well, actually, you're not lining our pockets. We don't see a cent out of that place. We've got 14 staff locally working for us. Um, and so we pay them, we pay our lease, we pay our stock, and then whatever's left uh, goes straight to the field. So um, there's a few different... We're just trying to rework. We're just reimagining what could be. And um, just having a crack. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, I think... Um, Especially, well, one of the philosophies that Beck and I have is that ministry is not what you do in a church. And um, our calling is not to meet every Sunday and line our seats and then line our pockets and then go home. That's, that's not what we want to do. Um, for you, obviously, taking that from, a, I guess, a context that probably many of us would go, okay, if I'm not a pastor, maybe I'll be a chaplain and do ministry that way. But now kind of going out and doing something that's quite different. How, did, how do you see calling and how do people understand calling for their lives? That's a, that's a big question, hey? Um, probably the easiest way that I can ex understand that and explain it from my own mind is um, traditionally there's a gap between uh, what we would call vocation and calling. Mm. So vocation being, I guess, what you do for serving someone else and then calling being what you do to serve a higher purpose. And there's a bit of a gap between those two things. So for a lot of people, your vocation is, so what do you do during the day? Like, what, what do you do? I'm a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was prophetic, Jesus wasn't was it? Jesus was a ginger as well. Hey, no, Jesus wasn't a ginger. No, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus was a black man. You want to hear some philosophy on that? No, let, let, let me share. No, no, I'm serious. Let me, let me share this with you. Like, I'm finishing my, I'm, some of the other stuff that I'm doing this year is finishing my studies. I'm, I'm doing a, a Master's of Arts and Theology. And so this is, um, let, me just, let me just share with you some, uh, some writing that I'm doing, right? Jesus is black. No, and let me, let me explain this, let me explain this, see the reason I got to this point, right? It may be some loose theology, I'm not holding fast to this, but just go with me. Uh, is this being recorded? Yes, it is. Whoa! Uh, okay, alright. Um, so, we, would you all agree with me here um, that because of the mess that we are in as in a sinful world, that uh, there is a need for a saviour? Yeah? Yeah? We're all in agreement. Okay, good. Um, and let's take us the next step up from that is, um, you know, with God being perfect and us being so imperfect, there was a need for 
perfection to stand in the gap. Now that perfection took the form of an ultimate sacrifice, yeah? That being Christ on the cross. Now, in traditional Judaism, when we talk about sacrifice, a lot of things were in regards to burnt offerings, yeah? Now, if something's burnt, it's black. <laughs> it's pretty much what I'm saying. It was going quite deep, and then suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, where's this so going? Jesus is the ultimate <laughs> sacrifice. It means he must have been a burnt offering. So if he was burnt, he's black. And Jesus is black. It's simple. We overcomplicate things in Christianity sometimes. Yeah, simple challenge the mindsets. What was the original question? Vocation and calling. Vocation okay. and calling. Um, yeah, there's this gap. So we, we define vocation as in like this is what we do. And too often the problem is we actually form our identity. I'm a, I'm a carpenter. Uh, we form our identity behind what we do. Mm. And quite often what we do is just to, you know, just to get the food on the table and to pay the mortgage and to do all this sort of stuff. And then there's another part of our lives where we refer to like a, a higher calling. It seems so mysterious. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I'm called to serve in this. One. I'm called to do this. And I actually think that, that is a, it's a foreign structure, that gap between vocation and calling. There's not meant to be a gap there. Mm. There isn't meant to be a gap. And so um, one of the guys that I, that I read a fair bit, he says, he actually uses the example of a carpenter, funny enough, um, referring to Jesus and what he did. He's like, you know, if you want to be a, a good Christian carpenter, it doesn't mean that you pray before every job. Or that, you know, on the back of the table, you like inscribe a cross where no one can, it's like, whoa, this is holy table now. <laughs> that, that's not, no, if you want to be, if you want to, if you want to serve Christ through your carpentry, you know what, you better make the best damn products that are available. Yeah, that's right. Worship God with your hands and what you do. He's gifted you in that way. So be a carpenter for him. Mm. Um, you go through places like Kurong and Word and all these different bookstores and if I was to see a book on a shelf that was like um, uh, the man used by God or the woman used by God, what would you expect to read about if you were to open those pages? Like maybe a missionary uh, or someone who like gave everything away to go into some foreign place and to serve Christ. Why couldn't that book be about a doctor? Why couldn't that book be about a lawyer? Why couldn't that book be about a car? Why couldn't it be about a teacher? Why couldn't it be about a chaplain? Why couldn't it be about a student? You know, it's, we, so often we say that if you're going to serve in ministry, it means to serve in the church. Mm. And the body of Christ, which is the church, is more than just four walls, for goodness sake. And the people, this army of Christ is everywhere. Mm. We're scattered and we need to scatter in all different professions and industries um, all over the world because we need to bring light into darkness. And we can't just keep it here to ourselves within the church. We need to... So there shouldn't be a gap between vocation and calling. It should be one and the same. And we need to see that what we do is our worship unto the Creator. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very good. So in your journey and in your experience, how did you find a place where you could mix that calling and that vocation together? I think from my experience, talking to many people, people are really scared because it's almost as if God's calling us to look really different. And so they, they, we get ideas of what we could do in the business world and all of that. And you realize that there's going to be kickback. And so I think for many of us, maybe the question is like, how do I take risks in this? How do I know that this is from God? And yeah, in your experience, how did you work that out? Um, making a cafe into a 
complete social enterprise and all the stuff that you're doing is, is different. It's out there. Like you were saying, I think WA, you're the only uh, cafe that's a social enterprise. Um, so yeah, how did, you, how did you work that out? How did you go, that's an idea worth pursuing? <laughs> just pursue the idea and <laughs> just see where it goes. <laughs> um, there's, there isn't any formula for this stuff, man. There isn't. The, uh, the only formula that I know, just, I've got the, I was just reading um, through the book of First Peter, and I, I'd encourage you to read, if you ever get a chance, we all do, right? Just do it. Um, Ecclesiastes and First Peter, read them together. Um, Ecclesiastes, traditionally, uh, you know, we know that Solomon wrote it. That's what the, the scripture, oh, that's what we think happened. Um, this is a man that, you know, wisdom upon wisdom upon wisdom and wealth upon wealth upon wealth and multiple mother-in-laws. He had like 700 wives, crazy guy. Um, but he, in Ecclesiastes, in the first couple of chapters, is like, what, what is all this? Mm. Like, wh all for what? what? What is it? So he, he's asking some significantly deep questions about vocation and life and what do we actually do with this time that we have here then you translate it into first peter and when you read the letter there it's so interesting because peter's like writing to the people there that are going through some serious persecution and mate we don't even understand the half of persecution yeah. eh? like we think yeah. you know oh if do i like do i close my eyes before i say grace at work or do i like just say it with my eyes open because i don't want people to think i'm a weirdo it's like, you know, but if they were to pick, oh, oh that's, that's persecution, man. Like, I get, I've got like a, an office by myself and no one wants to be, I'm, I'm alone at lunch because I'm getting persecuted for my faith. Like, God's using me powerfully. So, like, well, you, you might just be having lunch alone because you are a weirdo. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but in persecution, persecution is like people, like, suffering because of who they've devoted their lives to, mm. where they don't know if there will be another breath. That's different to eating alone. Yeah. So persecution, we've lost the concept of it in our Western world. There are a lot of parts of the world where they get it. We don't. Um, but in First Peter, he, he talks in there to the church that are going through this persecution. He, he's, in, he's encouraging them to like, you know what, when it happens... Just revel in it. Just enjoy it. Just like thrive in it. Just don't don't seek it out like you're a sadist, but like recognize what it is that you're causing an affront to. People are people are offended by this light that you're bringing, and so if the persecution is coming as a result of you bringing the light, you know what? Keep shining because obviously it's needed. Mm. Don't be afraid. Everything we have in experience and actually what we strive for here is all temporary. And so, I want to be careful how I interpret your question, but as I was reading through some of the stuff that you sent my way, and look, I've, I guess I was interpreting it this way because this is where I've been yeah. over the last six months. I'll speak quite openly and honestly with you, but moving from a full-time wage with a wife and four kids to, like, I don't know when we're getting paid. That's, a, that's I guess in one sense, we've made a stupid decision. Like, it's not wise what we're doing. And there was a lot of fear behind, do I or don't I? Should I or shouldn't I? Like, God, what are you calling us to? Because it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. I'm scared. Mm. And so a lot of these questions they were asking about, do we take the risk? Do we do this? Do we do that? It's all laced with fear. Yeah. Mm. 
But the Bible that I read tells me that I'm that Christ has conquered. He's he's won the battle. The victory is ours. So why are we so if God is calling me to give up my wage to do this, obviously that means that this is the center of his palm for me right now. Why am I scared to be there? Wouldn't actually be the safest place to be? And then I started revealing a whole lot of idols in my life in regards to money and security. As in, they are the ultimate. I've made them the ultimate thing to be able to provide for my family's not only needs, but their wants. And to have that financial security, it means that I'm being a good steward. You know what? Was I? Just because I had money in the back, does that mean I'm being a good steward? Because this life is not even mine. What right do I have to tell God that this is what needs to happen? Who am I to think that I can write the script? Nah, man, I'm just a, I'm just a shell. There's a spirit that's living within me that just needs to use this shell for some reason to get certain things done. So how can I stand in the way? So we shouldn't put the material world as where we find our security. Because I actually think if we have these idols in our life, I think that is actually more risky than what I'm trying to do now. Yeah, very cool. So would you, would you say that in your experience talking with people, meeting with people, and maybe, you know, with your experience as a chaplain as well, um, I think with young people especially, I always see that they're like, how do I hear from God? How do I know what God's calling me to? Yeah, how, how do you kind of speak into that? Because you've kind of chosen a pretty bold decision and you can, I, I think everyone here can hear that there's that faith aspect behind it. Um, but yeah, how do you know what God's calling you to? I think that's a question that many people have. How do you know that God has led you to become lead pastor and do this church plan? You just know. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Why, why are you and Beck doing what you're doing? Yeah, um, I think there's just that passion and I think nothing else satisfies. That's, that's what worked for us. We... Um, we were doing what we were doing already in a church employed on staff at another church, growing church, fantastic church. But there was this growing desire to serve God in this way. And so, yeah, we took the steps. And um, I guess for us, and that kind of leads to another question, but we, we set out to have certain tests along the way. Like we never wanted to plant a church by ourselves and say to our senior pastor, hey, send us out. We always wanted it to be, being sent out and say, hey, I see this on your life and you need to go take a team, you need to go. And that was one of the tests that we had. And so that kind of confirmed it for us as well along our journey. And yeah, so I think, you know, having that passion is important, but also having the wisdom um, to work out little tests to know, because I think many of us have dreams, and but sometimes we don't know, is that me? Is that the pizza I had last night? Is that, um, is that God? Um, and so we had tests along the way. What kind of tests did you have along your journey in determining this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, so I guess um, that's, that's awesome, by the way. <laughs> the pages stuff? Or? Nah, like just the fact that you and Becca stepping out like this with the team and just, again, just, I don't know, I keep saying having a crack, but oh, I know it's so Aussie, <laughs> but like, come on, life is short, eh? Let's just, let's just, just do stuff. Come on, let's not waste time. So good on you, man. Um, for, for Sky and myself and the kids, um, a lot of confirmation for me came uh, from her, yeah, um, cool. from my wife. So um, 
I, I want again, I want to be careful how I speak and what I share because I don't want to be um, slandering or talking down negatively in regards to anything that's happened over the last years. I mean, I've been in the education sector for the last 13 years in, in teaching and classrooms and things like that. The last uh, nine and a half at one school in particular uh, in the role of chaplain primarily. Um, and yeah, look, there were struggles, there were frustrations, there were tests, there was all sorts of stuff. And as much as I felt I was on the receiving end, like I know that I was on the giving end as well. It works both ways. Um, and I guess there was a, a real sense for me that, like, I think I was, I, I should have been diagnosed with ADD when I was younger. <laughs> and I never was. I was just like, just beaten with a wooden spoon. I just told her, just sharpen up, son. You know, like, you've got to learn some discipline. And... um. That was true. Like I, I'm, my mind just works scatters. I, I get itchy feet really quickly. I like start a project and we see it through, and it's like, well, what's next? I can't just sit still, and I don't. I'm not interested in like building a little castle and like look at me, look at me. Like I, I can't stand people who do that, and I don't want to be that myself. And so after about nine and a half years at this particular school, I was getting to a point where I was like, I was getting that itchy feet sense again. I was like, wow, I've never done nine and a half years in in one place here. The longest I'd ever worked before then was about. I don't know, it was close to eight years, and that was at Hoyt's Carousel. Um, that, was, that, was, dude, that, was, that was an awesome job. Um, you know, I've, I've run, I ran a business when I was at uni, um, ran, started a couple of degrees there. I was working heaps of stuff with local council, doing things in our church. I've always had things going on. I've always been like, keep my hands busy. Um, and I was getting to a point where I was really uneasy with stuff that was going on. And so actually last year, with the way things panned out, um, we had little Maya born on the 18th of March last year. Um, and so I had two weeks of paternity leave then, um, which led into a bunch of school holidays. That's four weeks leave now. Then I had my long service leave, which was another 10. Uh, so that's 14 weeks. Then I led to another lot of school holidays, another two. I had like 17 weeks off in a row. Then I went back to school for six weeks and I took another six weeks off. And then my full term last year was in term four. And that's only like a seven week term. So I was only really at school for about, nine, I, was, I was working for 19 weeks last year really. And there was, it was just the way that things happened. It was a real transition year for, for myself and the family. There was a lot of questions that we were asking. There was a lot of things that we were praying into. And like I was saying, like through my wife, like God really spoke profoundly. Um, the number of conversations we had where she would just sit down with me and be like, well, hon, you're, you're really uneasy about what's going on or what, what's happening. Like, why? Why? Like, why this? Why that? And so as she's asking the questions, I'm doing a lot of personal reflection. And I was just like, yeah, I think it is time to move on. But move to what? Like, move to what? Like, well, yeah, what? Um, so I started pursuing lots of things. I, uh, I got offered the, uh, a position as chaplain for the Defence Force. And so I started the process with the Australian Defence Force and went through there and they asked me to sign up for the Army because then I was fit and active and all this sort of stuff and I'd make a great Army chaplain. So I started the process, went through all the physical and medical and everything, passed it all. And sitting down at the interview with the guys in the city, they were like, well, actually, we can't put you in the Army, we can only put you in the Navy. I'm like, oh, well, that's not good. I'm like... I'm in the backyard pool with the kid. We've got one of those little blow-up pools and I'll get seasick. Like, <laughs> how do you want me to go on a boat? Like, no, no, that's not going to work. Um, but because, you know, I hadn't finished a full uh, theology degree mm. and they wouldn't employ me as a chaplain within the Defence Force. And so they, they pigeonholed me for the Navy. I went and spent a day at the Navy base down in Rockingham area and 
went through the process with them and I was just about to commit which would have given me enough funding to do what we wanted to do along with some other stuff but um, sitting at the interview with like the guy who runs the pastoral care department for the fair, he flew over from Canberra to meet with three of us and sitting there at our, we just bought the cafe at that stage and so I was sitting there at our cafe with him and just listening to him talking and sharing and some of the questions he was asking I was like you know what what am I doing here this is me trying to do the math to figure out how I can fund leaving a full-time job. I need money still, so here's another way that I can get money. That's only going to be two and a half days a week commitment, which then oh, I don't have any time right now, but I'll have two and a half days a week to do what I want to do and what I feel God's leading me to and have some funding. This is a good move, isn't it? And I'm sitting there speaking with this guy, and as he's sharing, it was just this overall, like this, no. What are you doing? Was a question that was being asked in my head. And I'm like, mm. what am I doing? Mm. And so some of this stuff we've been working with the guys on in Melbourne, I was waiting for the contracts for those to come through because at least if we'd figured out how much we were going to get paid for this new programming we were doing with this university and Bible college, I could start doing some math again to see how much it would fund us to free us up for what we needed to do. Um, and we were meant to get the contracts in and then there was a delay. Then we were meant to get the contracts in and then there was a delay. Then we were meant to, but oh no, we're going to come across, we're meeting, we're flying across there, we'll sort everything out. And so this is coming now into term four where I really need to notify the school. Like if I'm going to leave, I have to give them a term's notice. And like well, days are coming down now. Mm. And so I'm sitting there with these guys from Melbourne waiting for the contracts to get presented so I know how much we're going to get paid to allow us to see how much I can actually do. And uh, again, there was another delay. The contracts weren't there. They'd flown across from Melbourne to like apologise in person, but they're still working through some stuff and they can't give us anything. And as I'm sitting there, this overall sense again was like, are you in or are you out? And I'm like, well, geez, do I really need to practice what I preach? <laughs> like, and I tell my kids at the school that all the time, there's nothing else that's worth anything besides committing your life to Christ and you just follow wow. him no matter what the cost and wow. all this sort of stuff and all these messages that I'd shared and that I'd spoken, the conversations that I had with my kids and I'm like, I'm reminding myself of all these things and God's just asking me at this moment, are you in or are you out? Mm. Are you? Are you all talk armoured or actually going to put some action to this stuff now? What's going on? And the grace of God to even ask me that question. Like, seriously, who am I to him that he would work with an idiot like that? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there with these guys, this principal, the vice chancellor of the university and the principal of this Bible college, and we're having this discussion and I just... Like, Andrew, mate, forget the contracts. Let's do it. Like, I'm in. It need, this needs to happen. Mm. I'm in. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, and you need to understand the prayer and the conversations that my wife and I had, had leading up to that point. You know, we were just waiting for these contracts today and I was going to message her straight away, but there was nothing. Mm. And as soon as I called her, I said, look, this is... And as soon as I spoke those words like I'm in, the peace that came over me, I, it is what it is. Mm. And, um, and here we are. Very good. Nine or ten weeks into the project in... We're not starving. Our needs are being met. God is moving powerfully. And like I am learning like, like never before. Very cool. So mm. again, like why do we, why do I say that when things don't add up, well, that's risky, mm. scary. What am I doing? But if God's calling me to this part of his palm, I'm an idiot to not go there, no matter what the cost, aren't I? 
That's the same for you as well, hey? Very cool. Yeah. Um, just probably taking it to uh, real world, because that's that that kind of, that the discussion happens in your head, yeah, yeah. and it's 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 there and it's important. Yeah. Um, but I think what, another thing that I've seen with a lot of people is that they hit certain aspects of um, the path that they've chosen, mm. and they are, like what I'm hearing is that some people could take your experience as that's a roadblock, or that could be I guess in a very Christian world we call it a door closed. Sure. Um, how did you work out that's not a door closed? That's just something for me to push through. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I think the only way that I can explain it is a constant stirring of the spirit within me. Eh? Like you need to be so in tune with uh, with God's revealed word and revelation to us here, yeah. and then obviously surround yourself with people that you know and trust that can speak into your Great. life. Um, and then as you diligently seek him, not them, seek him first. And God uses them, then so be it. If he uses his word, then so be it. Mate, he has spoken to me profoundly through my not-quite-yet-one-year-old daughter. <laughs> I, there was a, sorry for taking up all your time, but there was a, a moment there last year. She would have been maybe three, three-and-a-half months. And the journey with her, I'll share with you another time. But it was interesting what a gift she is to us. Um, and I was there... Uh, over her cot, uh, she has just woken up. It was during the, the weeks that I had off in term two last year. I'm like, oh, honey, let me go and, let me go and get little Maya. And so I've gone in there and, um, and she's lying there and she looks up at me, like just lying there so peacefully and she opens her eyes and the first thing she does when she sees me is just this like, she had, you know, babies have like this full body smile. Like it's not just on the it's not just in the face, but it's like a full body experience, like the joy. It's like it just she like she came to life, and I was just standing over her. And again, just at that moment, like I just been I just meditating in the Psalms that morning. And as I was looking at my daughter and that smile that she gave, I just felt the Spirit of God just saying to me, "You know that joy that she obviously you have in seeing her. The joy that I have in seeing you is so much more than this." You know, and so when you're hearing Christ just just ministering to you in that way, and that it doesn't actually matter what you what you do is one thing, but who you are to Him. But we need to understand that first and foremost. It's not that He wants to put us out there to see how we go. No, He's our heavenly Father who loves His children so much that He gave His only Son for us. Like. It's deep what's going on here in the spiritual realm. And so as we stay in tune with this, you will know. You'll just know. Like our brothers and sisters over in these countries where their life is at risk if they even possess one of these. The reason they continue to pursue this is they just know. And so, you know, how much do you know? Has it actually dropped from your head to your heart? Because until that takes place, if this purely remains head knowledge, um, good luck to you. Mm. Oh, yeah, good luck to you because you're stuffed. Mm. When, it, when it manifests itself here and it works itself out in all aspects of your life, mm. um, yeah, that's where the adventure begins. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, I guess to some extent my job looks really exciting to lots of people and your job looks exciting even to me I'm like man that's crazy that's awesome uh, can we just talk real practically what are some aspects of what you're doing right now that sometimes you're like man this is this is the everyday we got to get this done in order to see that dream I guess what I'm asking is to make this real real for some people like they're chasing the dream and they kind of expect every aspect to be fulfilling and they ex they, they expect man when I'm doing 
um, the budget for lift change. I'm like on the top of the mountain and it's so much. No, it's not. It sucks. I hate to save you. You can do our budgeting <laughs> as well. Oh, no, no, no. That's like that's an aspect that I yeah, don't yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, can you talk practically, like running a social enterprise and all these things? What are some aspects that you actually you don't enjoy, but you're like this is part of the journey? Um. A couple of years ago, so 2013, I set myself a few physical challenges. And one of those, I've never been a runner, but I set myself the challenge of running the marathon for the city to serve, so 42.2 kilometres. And um, got my RunKeeper app, which was free. Like, I'm one of those Indians, man. Like, if I can't get it for free, it's just, <laughs> that's just me. Some guy came to look, I was trying to sell my motorbike at the moment, right? Some guy came and looked at it this morning, he starts talking about some stuff, and I'm like... I'm, you're Indian and I'm Indian, so this is going to be a tough deal, but I'm not dropping my price. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm training, I'm training for the marathon, and this RunKeeper app, it was interesting. So the way that it started, the very first run that I did was a 6.32-kilometre run. Now, if you haven't run before, 6.32Ks, that's actually a fair distance. It's a fair effort. And I remember getting to the end of that first 6.32K run and thinking, what have I signed up for here? But, you know, I'm not going to give up. No, no, I want, I've got to achieve this. I want to get this. I want to cross that finish line. I want to say that I've run a marathon. So I'm just going to pursue. I'm just going to persist. I'm just going to keep training. And so the way this training routine works is it messages you every morning, hey, get ready for your run. It's time to go. And then it's three days a week. You do like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you do a big run on a Saturday. Then you have your recovery on Sunday. Then you're back into the rhythm again. So 6.32 to start with, and then you start doing some interval training, start doing some sprint sessions, you start doing some longer runs. Anyway, bit by bit, get to a point where 10Ks becomes comfortable. It's like, wow, this is cool. And then, you know, to knock out a 17K run on a Saturday morning, like, it becomes comfortable. Oh, wow. And then you, you start increasing, like, the distances, like, it takes longer to fatigue because mm. you're just, you're training, you're yeah. building up. And so with all these things that are happening, uh, you know, the stuff that, that we need to do that we don't like to do but needs to happen, uh, that's all part of the training. God is shaping and building something which I'm still not quite aware of exactly what he's wanting me to do or what is the end goal here. I'm just, okay, we'll just keep walking through this together. I don't know exactly what's ahead, but I know that the stuff that we're going through, whether I like it or I don't, this is all part of the training and if I give up on the training now, there's no way that I'm going to be able to achieve what he set before me. Yeah. Uh, I know that Hamish and Andy, he's like, oh, I can run a marathon. And so he did. He ran 42.2Ks without any training. But he, he ruined himself for quite a while. <laughs> so it is possible, but at what cost? Yeah. Now, the fact that I did all that training, not only was I able to complete the marathon, but I've actually, I've actually maintained running. Yeah. Actually, it's weird, but I actually enjoy that now. Like God's built something yeah, that's really within, weird. you know? Yeah. You may one day actually enjoy budgeting. <laughs> Who knows? But all this stuff that you go through, it's, it's not all a joyride. There's always going to be challenges. But all these challenges that come through, uh, this is what God uses to continue to shape us and to mold us. You know, we just have to be that clay on that potter's wheel, willing to go uh, with wherever the hand leads. Mm. And he's the one doing the shaping, not us. So if I need to do these things that I really don't enjoy, and hospitality industry, mate, I hate it. <laughs> I'm, we are so dependent on people walking through the doors to be successful. And if they don't walk through the doors, how stressful is that? What are we doing wrong? What else can we do? How can we improve? How can we beat the... Con There's so many... It can become all-consuming. Mm. It's like, I, 
I just want to make money through the business so we can do more projects. How hard is that? <laughs> you own the cattle on a thousand hills, don't you? Just, you know, just give us how many much we need per day. Like, it can't be hard for you. But the struggles that we're going through, again, like I'm learning a lot and God's shaping something. And I wish I didn't have to learn some of the lessons in some of the ways that I do. But just understand the work that he's about and just receive it and then move with him through it. He's not going to just leave you out to dry. Very cool. Awesome. Let's um, probably feel a bit of a backtrack, but can you talk through some conversations you had with Sky in planning this very big move um, into this new season? What, what kind of conversations? Uh, was it strategic? Did it just come out from just noticing things? What did you notice? I guess help. Uh, that, was, that was something that some people were talking about, like this partnership um, that, that you've got with your wife, Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, um, well, case in point, the only reason I'm able to s- sit here in front of you is because, like, you know, she's out there with the kids right now. Um, so, well, my daughter's here. Hello, Kalia. Um, <laughs> you, you need to understand, and people seem to forget this, but even though I may be the one sitting here and being interviewed, I cannot do what I do without her. Mm. So, how much of the ministry is she a part of? The whole lot. How much could I do without her? Oh, and without Christ, there's nothing. It, this, is a, this is a partnership altogether. I, I need her to be able to do what I do. Yeah. I, I can't do it without her. Mm. So the conversations that we had, like I'm the dreamer, she's the realist. That's the way that this partnership works. <laughs> so I'm coming up with these ideas and I want to do this and I want to do that. And she's like, is it a good idea? <laughs> like, really? Or why, why aren't you doing it this way? Oh, what's taking you so long? Actually, why don't you finish this first before you go and do that? Um, yeah, my, she, she balances me out, you know, and I, I can't do what I do without her. I just can't. And so what were the conversations? We were, mate, we were having conversations, everything from um, you do, do we keep the kids at the school? You know, private school fees. They're expensive. Yeah. Can we afford to do that? And to actually move the kids, uh, you need to understand, like, she is traditional and she is family-oriented. Uh, so the, the school that she went to, the school that our kids were going to from kindergarten right through to year 12, um, she is all about family, uh, very, very tight-knit, and she'll do anything for her friends and family. Mm. She'll drop anything to go and help them. Uh, very, very loyal. And so change is a big thing. And we don't just step into it because it sounds good or exciting. Yeah. Hold on a second, what are we doing here? And so the process we worked through, yeah, we were really diligent with that process. And even though some aspects didn't quite add up, we both just knew that yeah, this is what we need to do. Mm, very good. And so when I, I mean, God speaks to me, not just through my kids, but through my wife and through nature and through his word and through friends and through circumstance, he can speak in whatever way he wants. But when my wife is at peace and we are moving together on the same page, it's just meant to be. Like, I just know, you know, like, she's just that profound for me. Mm. Um, so, cool. yeah, it's all about a partnership, man. Yeah. And having, like, there's, there's no hidden agendas. There's no anything at all, a complete open book with her. And so this is what I'm feeling. This is actually what I'm scared about. This is what, I, this is what I'm frustrated at. That's what's caused the frustration. And so, you know, and yeah. getting her guidance and wisdom in all of that as well, it's just crucial. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, one of my passions is relationships and um seeing marriages thrive and dating relationships be healthy, especially in a lot of what the world is like. So along your journey, can you just talk into how 
how important this whole vision for life was at that you know early stages and how it developed over time we don't have much time but <laughs> yeah well if you ask sky when we were um courting <laughs> we have to bring that word back because apparently dating is what you do with a prostitute traditionally yeah like if you're going out on a date that actually oh, you're with right. an escort or something so if you want to get into dating maybe teach some theology on that but <laughs> let's bring let's bring courting back um but so when sky and i were together you know teenagers and stuff um the one thing she always said was that oh, i don't want to be a pastor's wife <laughs> i'm like oh that could be a deal breaker um but we just persisted and anyway here we are now interesting isn't it the way god works um what was your question Dating and stuff, yeah, yeah. Vision, vision, yeah, yeah. Look, you need to be on the same page. Yeah. Um, when you talk in regards to, there's no point in dating or courting if you're not actually thinking this could be a person I could spend the rest of my life with. Otherwise, you're just wasting their time and putting yourself in situations where bad things could happen. So do yourself a favour and just be smart about that. Firstly. Um, but also, when you find that person that you feel honestly, I can actually, I can see myself, like, no, no, they, you complete me, um, all this sort of stuff, that when you get to that point, like, you need to be on the same page. You have to, because it's not just your life anymore. Mm, it's right. our life. Yeah. So even this step that we've made, it's, it wasn't just about, well, this is what's going to make Armit happy. It's like, well, what are the, what's the effect of this on, on our four kids? And what's the effect of this on, on, our, on my wife? And yeah. can, we, can we afford to stay here in this house, in this home? Or do we actually stay in this suburb, in this town? Or what, 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 are, we, what are we doing here? Yeah. There's some massive implications. And, like, I'm aware that we're moving into an interesting phase ourselves. But uh, this is, like, my kids are eight, five, three, and almost one they're going through an interesting phase themselves. And this is their lives that we're helping form as well. And we've got a massive responsibility yeah. in how we raise them and how we equip them and how we empower them and then eventually release them into ministry. Mm. That's our role as parents. And so we need to be on the same page. So you have to share the same vision. You have to. Mm. You, you, can't be, you can't be disjointed at that foundational level. When we talk about when marriage happens, the two become one. It's like, well, that's in in every aspect of your life mm. every aspect heart body mind and soul yeah very cool awesome we're nearly at time which is a real shame because i think i'm getting so much out of this i don't care about you guys but uh, i'm having fun uh, but maybe we can end off by finding out if you truly were an extra one of the dancing extras in bride and prejudice that was a question that one of our audience members asked last week. I give you two guesses to find out who it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a real shame. <laughs> no, I, thank you so much, Ahmed. This was really good. I think we unpacked a lot of stuff, and I hope that you got something for yourself on your journey and where you are at. Uh, I think we hit up a whole lot of different things. Um, why don't you just finish off by sharing a little bit about Initiate? Uh, if you guys, what, what we would like to do as a church is, um, for us, doing social justice in the community is important, but we don't want to reinvent the wheel because we don't think that we've got the expertise, the resource, the people right now to be setting up like a homeless shelter, but yet we feel for the homeless people. And so we want to find organizations that we know are well-governed, that are, are being run well, that are having an impact on our community and beyond so that people can um, support them. And I think Initiate's one of them that we're hearing about is awesome. Why don't you tell people uh, what you guys are doing? Um, 
Yeah, look, there's heaps of info on our website, so initiate.org.au if you get a chance to go and have a look. But essentially what we pride ourselves on is uh, working not just locally but internationally. Um, and our focus is to empower local people, wherever local is, uh, for them to become the change makers. So not for us to go in and to tell them how to do things or what right do we have to do that, um, but to actually work in partnership. So maybe the best way we can equip them is actually to stay away. And sometimes the best way we can equip them is to send teams over just to do training and resourcing and then release them to do whatever works. So we're all about making sure local people, they, they have the answers. And quite often they just lack the opportunity. Yeah. So how do we create the opportunities for them? So we've got, at the moment, uh, there's 24 projects around the world uh, impacting at last count through the research we've done. Uh, there's just over a quarter of a million people that are wow. you know, receiving benefits as a result of the work that we're involved in. And I'm not going to say that it's work that we do, because again, it's the work that the locals are doing. Mm. But it's our involvement with them in just, you know, come on, you can do it. Well, let's just get this team together and see how we can better work with you and make this happen. So uh, everything from, like, we've got fish farms through to convention centres, through to kindergartens, through to whatever, health clinics, uh, water wells. There's a whole lot of things, and it's we don't dictate terms. Mm. Work in partnership with the local community. We find a local person that we know and trust. They become the main stakeholder, and then we work with them. Cool. Um, and so we've got projects here in Karawara, South Perth. We've got projects over east, and we've got projects in Thailand, we've got projects in Kenya, we've got projects in other parts of Africa, we've got projects in, uh, in Philly in the US, we've got projects, there's all over the shop. So it's wherever, whoever we are in relationship with through our network, we only work with people that we know and trust. And then, so how can we, how can we work together? And we explore those things, and then away we go. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Why don't you help me thank Amit for coming this morning, sharing from his heart. Man, that was amazing. Awesome. Thank can you I, so um, much. Can I yeah. just say one thing before I yeah, go move it. off stage? Um, if, there's, if there's one thing that I really want you guys to take away from this morning, um, and I've been having the opportunity to do things like this at a few different places, and I want to say this everywhere that I go, um, like I said at the very start, do not ever put another human being on a pedestal. Ever. Don't do it. That, that place is reserved for Christ and Christ alone. Mm. Please don't ever think that if you are to be working in full-time ministry that you have to go to Bible college and you have to be in a church. Don't sell yourself short. Think about what are my passions, what are my desires, what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, what are my giftings. Seek Christ in why have you created me this way and see where he leads you. Mm. I have come across some people who are really good at making money. I've come across some people who are really good with their hands. I've come across people who are really good in the classroom as teachers and as administrators. I've got guys that are cleaning better than any other cleaner I've ever come across. And I don't care what industry or business or profession you're doing, but seek to serve and honour Christ in it. Come on. So if you know what, if you actually are a person who has a huge amount of material resources behind you, your responsibility is very great. Because there are people within the kingdom of God that are following his calling as well yeah. that actually need your partnership. Come on. You can't sit on it. That's right. And there are those of you that are training to become teachers. And if that's what you're wanting to do, you know what? Study hard and work hard and get yourself out there because there are students who need you. Yeah. God needs you to speak to them and to their families. So what right do you have to try and just get into a private school? Don't even aim for that. 
if you need to be in a government school, maybe there's just that one family that God needs you to speak to. Now, I, this is someone who's worked 13 years in the private school sector, so take out of it what you will. But that's where God was calling me because you know what? As chaplain of a school of close to 900 students, I've done pracs in government schools and that was more broken in aspects than some of the local government schools that I've worked in. I've worked with kids who were so ashamed of some of the sin in their life and because they were at a Christian school and had Christian parents, they couldn't talk about it. Do you know how much control Satan has? It's a lie of his. Be open. Be willing to share your failures and your shortcomings and the places that you're struggling in because we're meant to do this, the body of Christ, as a family. So I'm doing what I'm doing because this is the little pinky finger now that God's calling me to achieve right now. And some of you make up the rest of that hand. So what role are you going to play? And we need to work in this together. So I'm a fellowship at Southern River Church of Christ. You guys might be here at Lift. We both meet at 10 o'clock on a Sunday, different parts of the city. We should be praying for each other. How can we better support one another? How can we do that with the church as a united front? Because until we do that, people will look at us and continue to call us hypocrites. But once we get united as the army of Christ and we march forward together... Yeah, look out. And that's what I'm about anyway. So join me on the journey, eh? Yeah. Cool. Why don't we thank Armit? Man, that was amazing. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.